This is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio is sponsored in part by TripInsurance.com, making it easy to buy travel insurance at the best available price. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. Doing the show from Los Angeles this week where we just christened the Carnival Panorama. Well, not we, Vanna White did. But we were here uh, to watch the event happen and unfold in a truly a great event. Uh, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News today. Also, we'll have a review of Caribbean Princess, a princess cruise ship. Vicky stops by to share that a little bit later on in the show. And as always, don't forget about Cruise Radio News, your daily quick hits of the news. Find out where you listen to your favorite podcast. Just search Cruise Radio News. And speaking of cruise news, here's Sherry Laskin. Hey, Sherry. Hi, Doug. So Carnival Panorama was christened a couple of days ago. That's right. Carnival Panorama was christened on Tuesday, and Vanna White was on hand for the naming event. And, you know, if I ever get to Long Beach, I'm really excited to see this new ship. So some of the features, this is a third Vista-class ship and sister ship to Carnival Horizon and Carnival Vista. There will be some familiar areas that are back, like Fahrenheit 555 Steakhouse, the Library Bar, Bonsai Sushi, and, of course, Guy's Pig and Anchor Smokehouse and Brewhouse. Um, outdoors, you're going to find um, a repeat of the Skyride bike course because that's so popular a massive waterworks aqua park and the sports square rec space with the ropes course are back. The Havana section is also back with this tropical decor and a Cuban themed bar and the family Harbor oversized staterooms and family Harbor lounge are also back for a return visit. But there are a couple of new things. One is sky zone, which will be the first indoor trampoline park at sea. There's also what they're calling a challenge zone part of it. So you can like, you know, jump up and down on the trampoline and play dodgeball and things like that. But what I'm really looking forward to, they have this new uh, facility called Carnival Kitchen. It's a hands-on cooking class is what it actually is. And it's built with individual workstations. So it's similar from the looks of it, to what some of the um, luxury ships have for their cooking classes. And then when all is said and done, Panorama will be sailing seven-night Mexican Riviera cruises. And some sad news this week out of New Zealand for some cruise passengers. Yeah, this is just one of those horribly bizarre things. An active volcano on New Zealand's privately owned White Island erupted on Monday without any warning while tourists were visiting this, it's a popular attraction to go and walk on the edge of the crater. Uh, many, uh, they have videos of this from the, um, the camera, the safety cameras, basically. So people were walking right on the crater's edge when out of nowhere the volcano decided to erupt, not once, but twice. And numbers are still coming in, and they vary. But the last I read was that 38 of the 47 tourists who were reported either hurt, injured, or missing we're on a shore excursion from Royal Caribbean's Ovation of the Seas. Thirteen people at this point are presumed to have died. Five of those have actually been confirmed dead, and eight are still missing on the island. Uh, Thirty-four people did survive. Thirty-one are receiving treatment. And, of course, these numbers can shift over the next few days. Um, and the, the nationalities of the people 
that were affected are from New Zealand, Australia, China, Malaysia, the U.S., and the U.K. So our thoughts are are just uh, going out to everybody affected by this event. Uh, it's just who could predict. Yeah, kind of hard to segue to another news story after that, but the show must go on. Uh, Virgin Voyages, their ship, Scarlet Lady, just completed sea trials. Yeah, Scarlet Lady successfully sailed through its first round of sea trials And in uh, typical Richard Branson style, he boarded and toured the ship with his family and some Virgin Voyages executives. But then he put on this bright orange jumpsuit. He stepped into a cherry picker and up he went so he could basically ceremoniously paint the red outline on the ship's hull where the Scarlet Lady logo will go. The second half of the first rounds of sea trials cruised from Marseille to Genoa. And it went from November 27th until November 30th. Virgin Voyage's first ship, the Scarlet Lady, is now one step closer to her first voyage on April Fool's Day, which is April 1 of 2020. So this next story is exciting for the folks who love Guy's Burger Joint because they are taking it a step further. Yeah, and I like this idea. It's just a test right now, but Carnival Sunrise offers breakfast at Guy's Burger Joint. It was on the Carnival Hub app, and this is what this is how people found out about it. It revealed that Carnival Sunrise was offering this breakfast opportunity. So if you happen to be on Carnival Sunrise and open up the Carnival Hub app, you'll find there are four breakfast options from which to choose. And real quick, one is called the Plain Joe, which is a beef patty, two fried eggs, the super melty cheese sauce, and maple donkey sauce all on a toasted bun. And then if you if you can have this in the in the morning, there's another one called the All American, which is a beef patty, two eggs, the super melty cheese sauce, uh, crispy bacon, tomato, hash browns, and more maple donkey sauce on a toasted bun. Then they also have a prime time turkey, which is very similar, but obviously with a turkey breakfast sausage patty, and a good morning Morgan for those who don't want meat, which is a roasted vegetable frittata patty. Tomato, hash browns, and more of that maple donkey sauce. All right, and our last talking point here, another christening that happened over the weekend, Sky Princess. The naming ceremony for Princess Cruises Sky Princess was held in Fort Lauderdale. This is the fourth royal-class ship in the Princess fleet. They had two godmothers for this. One was Poppy Northcutt, and she was a NASA engineer and civil rights attorney. And the other godmother was Captain Kay Heyer, who was a NASA astronaut and a U.S. Navy aviator. The christening also had a duo for the MC event, and that was Jill Whalen, who played Captain Steubing's daughter, Vicky, on the love boat, and Sky Princess's cruise director, Alexander Yapremian, and they served as mistress and master of ceremonies. Uh, after the oversized bottle of champagne was released and luckily broken against the hull, One of the main performances included the lead song called This Is Me, which came from the movie The Greatest Showman with Hugh Jackman, which was terrific, and will be included in the main production show entitled Rock On. Sky Princess is the first vessel which was designed from start to finish as a princess medallion class ship. Listener question comes from Nick. I'm about to go on my first cruise with my girlfriend and not with my family. Prior to this cruise, I was never responsible for any of the stateroom accounts since my father always took care of all the monetary issues of the vacation. 
should I just pay the auto gratuities or have them removed and use the old cash envelope system? What do you think? Hi, Nick. That's a great question, and thanks for asking it. Well, since this is your first time handling the financial ends of a cruise, I, you know, I really would suggest leaving the automatic gratuities on your accounts, and it, it will make your cruise more seamless, and you won't have to worry about that last-minute scramble just to find small bills to put into envelopes and then locate the people for whom the envelopes are intended. And sometimes you can't even get envelopes. So, you know, if someone goes above and beyond regular service, it's, you know, it's perfectly fine just to hand him or her the extra gratuity in the form of cash. And, you know, it could be your room steward, a bartender that you really liked, or your waiters, or anybody that really goes above and beyond. But basically, I would suggest, and I, you know, for everybody, really leave the automatic gratuities on your account. It makes life so much simpler. But Nick, have a wonderful cruise with your girlfriend. And thanks again for your question. Been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you, Doug. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at CruiseRadio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide, like Rome, Vatican City, St. Petersburg, Sydney, and Jamaica, just to name a few. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting CruisingExcursions.com. Vicky just returned from a 13-night cruise on Princess Cruises Caribbean Princess. It was a repositioning cruise 13 nights long from Quebec City to Fort Lauderdale, a.k.a. Port Everglades. Vicky joins us on the line. Hey, Vicky. Hi, Doug. I want to hear... All of your pre-cruise thoughts, because you've been cruising a lot this year. Why this one? You know, we had some friends that were going to be on this cruise, and they kept saying, are you going to be home? Because I live in Sydney, Nova Scotia, on the East Coast. And we said, well, we're not sure, we're not sure. And then finally, we knew we'd be home. And then when we looked at the cruise, we said, hey, why don't we just surprise them and join them? And that's exactly what we did. So you're up in Canada, and you. Ha- so how far is it from where you live, uh, where you live in Nova Scotia, over to Quebec City? If I was going to drive, it'd be about 15 hours. Okay. Um, but we did fly because it was a you know a repositioning, and so you know we couldn't leave the car there, obviously. Wow, 50, That's like from here to New York driving from Florida. Really? Wow, that's yeah. a long way. Yeah. Okay. No, we consider that almost central Canada. We're on the 
almost very east coast of Canada. Okay, fair enough. So you board the ship in Quebec City. Any pre-cruise time there? Uh, no. What was really nice is that the ship was overnighting in Quebec. So we it was really we didn't have to worry. We actually flew the same day as the cruise embarkation happened, which is not something I usually recommend. But I knew there were a lot of flight options. It's only about a two-hour flight, not too far for us. And um, we just got to the air, um, to the ship, and we embarked, and we had the whole day and night and the next day in port. How was embarkation in Quebec City? Really nice because the ship arrived the day prior and the guests that were on the previous cruise had an overnight as well. It seemed to um, people, I'm not sure if they got off early or, you know, they were already cleared customs and everything right away. So maybe it went a little bit smoother, the disembarkation, um, but we had no problem. We ended up taking an Uber from the airport. It was about, I think it was about $20 uh, Canadian. And uh, we got to the pier and we dropped off our bags. It was still a little bit early. And we just went out because you're so close to all of the sites right there in Quebec City. I didn't realize that you could use Uber in uh, Quebec because in Vancouver, they don't have it. So it must be like a, like a, what, a government thing or local government yeah, exactly. Uh, Vancouver doesn't have it. There are other cities, uh, Quebec, Montreal, do have Uber, mm-hmm. but then Halifax doesn't. So yeah. uh, it is dependent on the local municipalities. Okay. So let's see, you board the ship. I know you've been on before probably a few times, but what were your impressions this time around? Well, in fact, we had been on the Caribbean Princess quite a bit this last season because it was docking quite often in Sydney, Nova, Nova Scotia. So we kept going on as visitors uh, of some of our friends that were uh, work on the ship. But, you know, we got on, and it always feels like home. Like Princess is renowned, well, I think a lot of cruise lines, you know, they have the same layout, you know, the same atrium, and then the promenade deck, and you kind of know where everything is. So it's quite a nice treat to arrive and feel right at home. And this time, we had our medallions as well, which was quick and easy to get on. So I was really excited to um, see it now, because I think it was last May that I last experienced medallion. And you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book, and how was it? We usually go with an inside cabin, and we we knew that there was really not a need for a balcony. This was the end of the season in Canada, New England. There wasn't going to probably be a lot of opportunities for a balcony. So we booked a forward inside cabin, uh, very standard. They look a lot like a balcony cabin, so you have that closet area and then the washer right beside, so it's a little bit nice to kind of get changed there, or you can turn the light on and not disturb the person in the bed. Um, more than enough room for the two of us. Um, you know, suitcases underneath. I did find uh, two things that I, I would like to see improved. One is not enough plugs. Uh, we do have those small little adapters with the USB ports, but there was only two plugs, and they were so close together unless I reached in behind the TV. So I would like to see them improve that. The other thing is they have great TVs. The sound I think every ship should put Bluetooth headphones <laughs> in for every guest so that you can listen to it and your spouse doesn't have to worry about the sounds. And then, you know, if someone walks off with them, they could charge their account something. But I think that would be a great idea. Going back to the Ocean Medallion for a moment, um, how fast did that make embarkation? 
as a Canadian, we can register and do all of the stuff through the OSHA medallion app ahead of time. However, they can't send us the medallion in Canada. I'm not sure why, um, but that was okay. There was really no lines for anybody, and we do have priority embarkation even if we didn't. And I know last spring we got on a ship, and the medallion line was a lot longer, but it moved pretty fast. Um, I would say within... 10 minutes we were on the ship so it was really quick but again if you're non-US you're, you're going to have to pick up your medallion at the pier which is no different than when we pick up our cruise card. And does the medallion open your stateroom as well? Yes, you would walk down the hall, you would hear a click when you got a few feet away, and it would even say, welcome Vicky on your door, and it would open, and uh, it would be great, which is really nice, because even your cabin steward knows when you are in your cabin, and never disturbs you, because they, you know, they, they'll know when you've left as well, so they can um, go in and clean. Could you opt out of Ocean Medallion if you wanted to, and just get a key card? Not at this time. They used to I, when they were just transitioning over, but they, at least on the Caribbean, and I know the Regal and the Crown, no longer give cruise cards. But I always tell people this is just like a cruise card, except it's the size of a quarter. Yeah. And you can put yeah. a little magnet on it and make it a, uh, yeah, a magnet for your refrigerator or something. That's a cool little magnet. That's a really good point, yeah. yeah. And they do sell little souvenirs that you could put it in a frame and so forth. But uh, I really love the medallion. I've bought some of the accessories, the clip that you can just clip onto your clothes. And as a woman, I never knew where to put my cruise card on a formal night, and I hate carrying a purse on a cruise. So now I just have this little clip. I can clip it into my bra strap or someplace <laughs> else. But us women... I think would appreciate that little um, little extra clip to store the medallion. You're like a connoisseur of Princess Cruises. So I wanted to ask, I was having a conversation earlier today. Does every Princess cruise ship cabin have a walk-in closet? Yes. Okay. I'm, I mean, I can't speak too much for suites. I've only had a few of them. Uh, but yes, they have that same kind of layout. I should stand corrected because some of the other ships like the Sea and the Dawn no longer have they're not like that but any of the newer ships they all have that walk-in closet and then the bathroom off of that and then your bedroom sort of in a separate area of course if you're probably if you're in a handicapped cabin it is they don't have that closet right that would be a selling point for me i believe is the walk-in closet like yeah, I just love that. Yeah, so much room. Especially on I even had things. a friend who brought his bike on because he <laughs> loves to bike, and he would store it in his closet. Nice. That's so much room there. Let's talk about the dining on this 13-night cruise. So we'll start at the main dining room. What time dining did you have, and how was your experience throughout the cruise? We had traditional second seating, and Princess recently um, changed the dining times a little bit earlier, and it was 7.15, which... For us, it seemed to work because normally we would dine around 7.30, quarter to 8. We had a, a good, the food was great, uh, the waiters were very good, but we did notice they were overworked in the area, and we tended to wait long periods of time. And uh, we got a little bit um, discouraged, and halfway through the cruise, we ended up giving up our table and just dining in other um, venues. And let's talk about some of those other venues. Uh, you can go ahead and rattle those off if you'd like. Yeah, well, of course, 
the Caribbean Princess has numerous um, specialty restaurants. So they have the Crown Grill, the Steakhouse, uh, fabulous meal. Again, only $29, which I think is one of the cheaper uh, steakhouses at sea. And then uh, Sabatini's is their Italian uh, restaurant, and this has their newer menu. Not all ships have the newer menu. It's one we really like, and that meal is $25. Again, what a steal. Now they have um you I know you enjoy the crab shack. They don't have crab shack on this, but at the back of the buffet area which is called the World Fresh Marketplace instead of Horizon Court, they have steamers on one side which is a seafood restaurant and that's $12 a person and then on the other side of the ship uh, at the back is planks which is like a barbecue joint. Both of those, $12, and what's nice is that say somebody wanted to have seafood and but the other one doesn't eat seafood, you could interchange the menus if you want. In fact, we would normally get the dessert from Steamers, which was key lime pie, but enjoy the barbecue meal. Um, and then, of course, they have the other places like the pizza, which is fabulous. No Alfredo's on this ship. That was a... Um, disappointing and they don't also have the um salty dog pub either they don't have it but that's a nice option the restaurant with the fish and chips do they do that still yeah usually on uh, at least one of the sea days they will do a pub lunch in the crown grill that is totally free uh we didn't end up going to it it's something we kind of walked away from because it's so popular that we tend to just kind of go the opposite way and maybe have lunch in the dining room that time and then how was the buffet area? One thing about the Caribbean Princess, it is the ship that everything sort of gets introduced on and tried. So you're going to, this is the first ship that brought in World Fresh Marketplace. The Sky Princess, the brand new ship that's just been launched, it has World Fresh Marketplace. It's a little bit different. It's, uh, I'm finding different types of foods. They're served more like, um, you'll see at lunch, little cups with different salads in it, uh, bean salads, uh, cold slaws, really lovely presentation, little tapas in the evening, big sections with juices in the morning, which is fabulous, fresh squeezed juices. A whole section on the side that's all these lovely wrapped sandwiches, and they got a big plate there of um, different types of cheeses. So it's got a little bit of a different atmosphere than if you're used to some of the bigger ships like the Royal and the Regal, but it's really nicely laid out. Uh, I love the different varieties, and the staff there were fabulous. The chefs were so friendly and helpful. Is the Curtis Stone partnership still a thing with Princess? Yeah, I think you're referring to the restaurant Share. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is on um, only a few of the ships. The Caribbean Princess doesn't have it. And uh, that is one meal that I really enjoy. But again, if you're kind of like a meat and potatoes kind of person, this probably wouldn't be. But Share is a, a great option if you're on a ship that has it and has that beautiful aft view usually out the back of the ship. Let's talk about the entertainment on this 13-day cruise. How often did they change it up? Well, on the 13-day cruise, we had three production shows. I think one had to get postponed because we did have a bit of a storm that we had to, we were affected by, but three fabulous production shows. And we went to two of the three and phenomenal. In fact, I think this is probably the best entertainment we've seen on princess ships in a long time they have numerous comedians that come on and then head off and then another one comes on magicians uh, vocal acts uh, pretty much anything and that's what i really like about princess because even though the 
the Princess Theatre can't accommodate everybody. It's not meant to accommodate everybody. And we did have a bit of a problem where they were so full, and quickly the entertainment team went in and decided, okay, we're going to run the shows three times, two one night and then the next night at a different time. So it gave people more flexibility. But at the same time as they're having the Princess Theatre show, you can go to the aft, and there is the um, the Explorers Lounge will have stuff going on, but also the Universe or Vista Lounge, they would have maybe a comedian going on or a dance band or something. There's so many different things that you could do on board. So outside of the theater, how was the entertainment around the ship with the music, the dancing, and the fun stuff? You can find, um, well, they have the house party band. They had a duo uh, that played in certain lounges, and they would move throughout the ship each okay. night. So you might find the duo playing in the wheelhouse bar one night, and then the next night would be the guitar player, and then the piano players playing in the piano lounge at the martini bar, and then, you know, the party bands playing in the atrium. So there was so many different things that you could do. And if you wanted to do ballroom dancing, sometimes they'd have canned ballroom dance music in the aft, or they'd have the orchestra playing. Nice. So there was really no reason to not be entertained. Um, I, nobody could get bored, I can't imagine. How was the ship on sea days as far as crowds and congestion? Now, we found it a little bit difficult because this was a colder weather cruise. Again, we left late October. People weren't hanging out on the outside decks until we got closer to Fort Lauderdale. So the crowds inside were a little bit much. And what I don't like was that they would do the art auction in Explorer's Lounge, which is a huge lounge that people could maybe go and sit and play cards or read they would have the art auction in there and they would corner it off so that you couldn't even go and sit in there until after the art auction was over. So that was a little discouraging. I found a hard time trying to find a quiet place to just read and not hear people. Hmm. Um, But yeah, so that was a little difficult. As far as like restaurants, um, are there any real congestion points on the ship on sea days? Yeah, definitely the atrium, that main hub, you know, trying to find a seat once you've grabbed your coffee in the International Cafe, that was difficult. They have a Vines, but the seating isn't really conducive to sitting and relaxing because they're like stools with barrel tables. Uh, So that was quite a congestion point. And then also you would find those congestion points in and around the promenade when they'd be doing um, their sales uh, in and around the atrium, as well as when the art auction or bingo was happening. Those, Those could get difficult. But of course, as we got to warmer weather and more people were outside, it did improve a lot in the interior. The cruise lines are notorious for putting those $5 sales in the worst spots ever. I guess they make it where, hey, you have to walk by our table if you want to get by. Yeah, I I mean, I I understand they want to sell something, but it isn't really easy for people to move (laughs) around, around it, too. Yeah, no, totally. So let's talk about the ports of call you hit on this 13-night cruise. So what we'll do is just uh, give us the port of call and your highlight from that port. Then you can move to the next one. Well, we left Quebec City, and our first stop was Sydney. Now, we moved to Sydney, Nova Scotia about a year and a half ago, and we were so excited to sail, and we could actually see our house from the water. (laughs) Um, We loved it. We had a great day. In fact, somebody came and delivered some stuff that we had forgotten. (laughs) Um, They brought it over to us on the pier, and then we went and did a little bit of errands and shopping because Halloween was coming up on the ship, and we wanted to um, hand out some stuff. 
Um, in Halifax, I ended up meeting up with some friends that live locally, and then Bernie and I walked around. We um, went and got a nice meal in town. We did a little bit of shopping, and then we ran into some friends who were on the Regal Princess for a bit and caught up with them. The next day, we were in St. John's, um, New Brunswick. Again, we were in with the Regal. There was another huge ship, a uh, Royal Caribbean ship. The town was inundated with cruise passengers. Again, you have to remember, we've been to all of these ports, and we know the area. So I ended up spending a lot of my time going out and doing some research for some potential lectures that I would do. But I went out to the market. Now, you can easily walk to the market in St. John's. The town is really close by some great pubs and restaurants. So we went to a lovely restaurant and tried some um, craft beers. Um, So that's really nice. But um, very easy to get any kind of tours right there on the pier to many of the sites. However, with the three massive ships in, a lot of things were sold out there. Our next stop was Bar Harbor. Now, we didn't get off the ship. It's a tender port. We were kind of getting tough, tired of the crowds. It was really cold and windy. There was a, a storm coming up. This is around Halloween. And uh, so we decided to stay on. And, in fact, they announced that we would be going to Boston the next day. But because of the, that storm that was coming through, we were going to end up spending... Uh, overnight in Boston, which was exciting for us. We were there for Halloween, and we got an overnight in Boston. And Bernie and I booked a tour through um, Viator that night, and we went the next day, met up with them near the Quincy Market. It was supposed to be a two-hour walking tour. It ended up being almost four hours. It was phenomenal, very um economical and really quite enjoyable and we ended up coming back to the ship rather late uh, miss miss supper we ended up just coming back to the ship after our our meal ashore and um, that was fabulous the next day was supposed to be um, Rhode Island but we ended up missing it again because of the storm they had it as a sea day and uh, then, oh, then uh, a new port for me, uh, Norfolk, Virginia, which I had never been to, which was very interesting, uh, sailing in and, of course, all of the naval ships that are right there. It was a really nice weather, and we ended up easily walking around the whole town. We visited quite a few of the sites there. We had a great meal of sushi ashore, and then we stopped and chatted with some of the locals, Um, It was really quite nice, and I definitely would like to do a driving trip down there and and check it out some more. And then we had another sea day, and then we were in Fort Lauderdale. Wow, that's a lot of stops for a repositioning cruise. Normally there's like, what, two ports of call and 12 sea days or something like that. Yeah. Oh, I did miss New York. We did have a stop in New York. I don't know how I could forget New York. Uh, Haven't been there a whole lot, but so this time we arrived. um, Quite a good tip was we had... Not too sure what we were going to do. We decided to book the hop-on, hop-off bus, and Mm -hmm. they had some discounts online. And, okay, so we were going to rush off and try to get to the first um, um, pickup spot, which was on Wall Street. We were going to try and take the ferry across. But when we got off the ship, of course, the ship had a tour of what was a hop-on, hop-off bus, and we got off, and there was people with their jackets that were for the, um, the big bus, and we said, oh, so let's go talk to them. And they said, 
Yeah, they could redeem our tickets that we had booked online at half the price of the ships. And they got us on the bus and all the other passengers that came on with double the price. Um, we didn't say anything, <laughs> but that's a great tip. Buy your ticket ahead of time and there's a good chance you might be able to um, get on the actual bus at the port. And they had buses that came back to the port at certain times at certain locations. And I've noticed in a few ports of call that you could buy your ticket for the excursion in advance through the company or whether it be through whatever third-party company you're using, and it's going to be the same company that they're, the ship's selling you to. So if you do your research before you cruise, you could probably get it for, you said, half the price? Ours was half the yeah. price. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. like 50 60% cheaper typically yeah. by going with someone yeah. else. Um, so it's yeah. time to disembark in Port Everglades, Fort Lauderdale. Um, how was that mm-hmm. disembarkation process? Uh, really quite smooth, uh, no problems at all. And, you know, Fort Lauderdale, Port Everglades is so close to the airport that uh, we were one of the first groups to disembark. We had a flight at 1110. Uh, we caught Uh, a taxi. Sometimes we do an Uber, but, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit longer, so we just jumped in a taxi. And we were at the airport within 15 minutes or so with the taxi that was maybe $15, and uh, we were able to check in right away. Because for Lauderdale, they won't let you check your bags until, I think, three hours before your flight, and it's not a huge airport, so if you're stuck waiting around, uh, I would I would encourage you to maybe look into something like Easy Check, where the ship takes your bag and forwards it. But we um, we had no problem. Airport was crazy busy. I, there was a lot of ships in Port Everglades that day. And for some reason, I don't know why, they end up putting a very narrow part of the airport with two gates, and they have the flights leaving 10 minutes apart. So it was a zoo. Oh, we boy. couldn't wait to get on the plane and just have some quiet and get home. What I usually do, like when it comes to Fort Lauderdale or Miami, um, there's an app I use called Day Use, and you Mm -hmm. can get um, a hotel room for just a few hours. It's more for like corporate business people or whatever, but I will tend to get an airport hotel because I run into that problem a lot too with flights back here to Jacksonville, and that's just that you – I think it's like three hours or whatever, and you're sitting at the airport until you can check your bag, and you're miserable because all that's really there is like what? A waiting area – in yeah. a baggage carousel downstairs, at least. Yeah. So I mean, it's not that far for you to fly to Jacksonville. Wouldn't it be just hop in a car and drive? Or no, because I usually fly to South Florida on miles. Like I can fly round trip sometimes for six thousand miles. And by the time yeah. I'm driving five hours down to South Florida, that's ten yeah. hours round trip. Parking at the pier for twenty dollars a day, it just all adds up. The wear and tear in the yeah. car. I'd rather take the deductions for other things. But anyway, let's see here. Any first-time tips to offer people sailing Caribbean Princess? Well, I think the biggest thing, and I tell everybody, is even if you're not a first-time, do some research. Know a bit about the ports. This ship did not have a port lecturer. So, you know, you were kind of sometimes going in blind. Tours fill up. They're not cheap. And you do have more than enough time to do things independently. But at least... Be a little bit knowledgeable. Uh, it's so easy now going to TripAdvisor, going to Cruise Critic. Do something to find out a little bit of what you might want to see and do. And then maybe it's worth it to take a taxi or rent a car and see the sites that you want to instead of paying a, a higher price for a tour. What was the highlight of this 13-night cruise? I think it's 
two. One was seeing all the crew that we know and also surprising our friends on the cruise. <laughs> yeah, that's always fun. Like just looking at their face when you round that corner, right? And they're like, oh my gosh, you're here. Yeah, they thought we were just on for the day. They thought like it was maybe a two-hour drive from uh, Nova Scotia to Quebec. And when I said, no, we're on for the whole cruise, they were just shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to the ship for a moment and talk, because I didn't ask you this. Um, how was the smoking situation in or around the casino? You know, normally I don't have an issue. And I have to say, Doug, you popped into my head every time I had to go into the casino or through the casino or near the casino. The casino on the ship is on the promenade deck. It is between the atrium and the Princess Theater forward. You have to walk through it to get to it unless you go outside onto the promenade deck or you go down one deck across and then back up the stairs or enter Mm. the Princess Theater on deck six. It was smoky. It didn't seem to matter what side of the um, casino you went in. It was smoky. I don't know why it, it seemed to be that way. And the smoke carried. Uh, we'd even walk through it quickly and go to our cabin, and we could smell it on our clothes. So I have to give Princess a failing grade on that one, and I don't know if that's something that's a problem or something's not working, but definitely was bad. Final thoughts of Caribbean Princess. You know, I really uh, enjoy Princess, of course. Uh, The Caribbean Princess is really nice, new, modern. I love that new things are tried out on that ship. I had a lot of frustrations with Medallion, the new app that they just released. A lot of bugs still where they're working on it, but I found some of the things a little bit more frustrating (laughs) to use the app with. But one of the things was the best was that I could find out where my partner was. I would just go to the screen or log in on my tablet and say, oh, that's where he's in. He's <laughs> sitting on the lounge chair up in this corner, and I could quickly, easily find him. Nice. We've been talking with Vicky about her 13-night repositioning cruise aboard Caribbean Princess from Quebec City to Port Everglades. Vicky, you still have the, uh, the blog and the Facebook group going? I certainly do. I'm not blogging as much as I have, mainly because some of the, um, you know, some of my trips are for work instead. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm still blogging and travel. And the Facebook page is Cruising Princess Cruise Lines with Vicky, and it's it's a it's a page where anybody who likes to cruise, but mainly princess, and with a safe, respectable place where people could ask questions and share ideas and tips and, you know, so yeah. Vicky, it's always great having you on the show. Thanks for taking the time. Oh, my pleasure, Doug. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got here, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.